0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. Cracking jokes, and I don't know what else I was going to say. I had like a different rhyme for that, and it wasn't actually... Uh, I couldn't think of it in time. Anyway, so my good friend Danavir Saria is joining me on the show today. Danavir and I go way back. Like, how old are you now?
1: I am. I, I literally just turned 26 like two days ago. I've known you for nearly a decade. Crap. <laughs> How, how do you even I notice? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy because like you were
0: 16, 17 when I met you.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I didn't realize that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I remember you being some hotshot little shithead and I, me going, who's this hotshot little shithead that's like blowing up everyone's like names and shit? And I was like, I got to be friends with this guy. And, you know, you were a really cool dude. So I just decided that we were friends. And we were.
1: Thanks, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's basically how this shit came about. Um, for those that haven't actually heard my previous episode with Dan a bit, he has changed a hell of a lot. He's done a crazy amount of good work. He can now grow a beard almost. <laughs> almost. Like, almost. He's still got like baby fluff on his face. <laughs> a little know? bit. <laughs> I make fun of him. The only reason we make fun of each other, by the way, is we're pretty much just like family. It's, it, this isn't anything goes kind of episode. So you're going to, l- you're going to basically discover a hell of a lot of stuff about copy e email marketing random shit that you didn't even think that you'd actually need in your life until you heard it. It's basically all going to be covered on the show, but real quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode. This episode is of course sponsored by slice dice. Is it media? Yeah. Slice dice media.com. Go get, go check that website out. Stand uh, media company. It's amazing. It's getting some great traction. We're also sponsored by Storysell blueprint.com. Go there, figure out how to actually tell your story better than your competition. in Three simple steps and get unlimited content in it as from it as well. Now let's just dive right into this. Now, what the fuck have you been up to? Cause like last time I heard you were doing e-com stuff and now are you doing like emails and copy for e-com companies only? Is that what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, we do. Uh, Slice Dice Media is actually primarily email marketing for e-commerce companies, but we also do like branding and, and websites and stuff and content for e-commerce brands, mostly within like the healthy food and beverage space, but just like anything e-commerce in general.
0: That's pretty badass. I like that. So I got to ask, what made you change around from... Um from what you used to do to what you do today. I mean, cause like last time I spoke to you, you also had like your own, uh, t-shirt. What was it? The sweat thing that you were creating?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, back then I had both copy monk, which is my online education company for copywriters. And I was literally just starting the sportswear brand, a, 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 a premium sportswear brand for men that was called stunt double. And when it came to the copy monk stuff, I just, Absolutely started to hate it most because I was I am so tired of the online course internet marketing space. Yep, and it just made me feel really bad inside. Uh, A lot of imposter syndrome and stuff. Even though I I know what I'm talking about, I just I just hate it. So I I had to get out of there as soon as possible. And I've always wanted to build a real brand, which is why I went into stunt double. Yep. And what happened though? Stunt double took a long time. It was my first. Well, technically, it was my second time doing e-commerce. But it was my first real attempt at it, and it was it took such a long time and, and it so much money, and I just completely failed at it. Um, mostly because one, I was a direct response guy trying to sell luxury as a direct response, which you shouldn't not you should not do. Nope. And two, uh, do there's ways to do it, but like I'm talking about in like, in like the high level ish yeah. type of thing. You don't want to do it like a, you definitely do not want to treat it like an internet marketing thing. (laughs) And yeah. And then two, I was really, and I've always been bad at math. Like I I like doing it when there's like a dollar sign next to it, but like I'm not organized or anything. So the logistics of apparel and e-commerce was completely new to me. And I completely screwed up on that side so badly that I literally just said, you know, I I did the math (laughs) finally at the end and realized you know, it's better just to close down the store, keep these shirts in my closet and not sell anything. Because if I try to sell anything, I would literally lose more money. i would go broke trying to sell it than I would not selling it. So I had to stop it. And that's when I decided, you know what? I love e-commerce. There's nothing else I want to do at this at this point. What's the fastest way to get back into e-commerce, right? And that was with services. So here I am now with Slice Dice Media doing email marketing and branding for e-commerce brands.
0: Damn, dude. I'm glad that you actually got out of it. I mean, it was a great business in the way that you had it, I mean, in my opinion. Um, but I had no idea that that was going on uh, in the background.
1: Yeah, there was a, uh, it was there since the beginning, but I, just, I guess the way it goes about it... Now, if I were to go back to CopyMonk, I'd do it completely differently and I'd feel a lot better about it. Like, I would actually treat it like an actual real... Uh, education company, an actual real online course business rather than like some like Russell Brunson, Frank Kernish type of like, Hey, here's a way to make a million dollars as a copywriter. Right. I would do it completely differently, like an actual school. Um, but yeah, man, like either way, like I 100% prefer physical products. Like back then I hated client work today. I'd rather do e-commerce client work than I would doing an online course biz.
0: Fair enough. Now for the people out there that say this, it's not a dead model and I'm going to defend only Frank out of the two that you basically gave. And the reason I defend Frank is because he teaches more of what you actually want out of like how you'd basically do copy monk today versus like how everyone else is doing because everyone else in the mother and brother and out there is kind of like $10,000 product, $5,000 product, $2,000 product launch. And I'm like, fuck off. It's not, even yeah. worth, it's not even worth 20 bucks Fuck yeah off. like well not- frank
1: frank current today is a lot cleaner than he was back in the day oh, uh,
0: i'd say back in the day he was a better marketer than he is today in my opinion
1: he, yeah like like in terms of like the actual like tactics and stuff yeah i would agree yeah
0: it's not just that but how he was like his persona that how he's perceived in the marketplace was way better i mean uh, granted his persona today is more geared towards like the ideal clients that he wants to work for which is fine and work with but at the same time as a fan of like old school stuff for frank i gotta say i miss him from time to time
1: yeah i mean the persona is definitely cooler (laughs) that's for sure for sure
0: sure. but i mean in the way that what i like about frank and what he does especially when it comes to course launching his whole thing isn't like here let me show you how to make a million bucks it's kind of like i his whole way of building and selling anything was I'm going to build the product because I know it works. And then I'm going to use the product to sell you on the idea of basically buying my product. So he's going to use the exact conversion process. He gives away, it's like he shows you mass control. So he does mass control on you in order to get you to buy mass control. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to show, like I'm going to, the equivalent is I'm going to show you, I'm going to triangle choke you. And then I'm going to show you how I did the triangle choke. Yeah, that that's the real kick-ass thing here. It's very meta. I like it. Yeah, it's it's a very very simple way of doing it. Um, yeah, so it's it's a very powerful way of actually getting around it. So, like, my question really here from that perspective on, like how you do e-com today because like you do you used to hate client work, So it's quite nice to see you changing uh, having to change your pace what's the biggest difference that you're finding in like say info products versus e-com like what's one of the biggest differences that you're finding right now
1: you know it's so funny because you know uh i've been getting some leads lately and they come from the direct response world and so when they hear me talk i actually notice myself talking differently about this stuff now Um, and I go like, I know, I always say the same thing like this in the sales calls, like I know you're coming from the direct response side, but you don't want to do that anymore (laughs) type of thing. Um, the, the main difference, uh, when it comes to e-commerce, like a regular e-commerce brand versus information products and just like internet marketing in general, is that with e-commerce, the brand is so much more important, like in, like with in online courses and stuff, you usually have like a, like a, like a persona, like an Evan Pagan or a Frank Kern or someone. And then it's like, it's all focused on the product, like the unique mechanism of the product, which is smart, right? It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's, it's, you do the same thing sort of in e-commerce, but in e-commerce, you have to think about the entire brand and how the entire customer journey works and how, uh, you know, you're not, you're not dependent on any persona, but how the actual logo is thought about and how uh people treat it like like we were saying earlier you can't sell like if you use ebb and pagan marketing tactics to sell a luxury sportswear brand it's just not gonna work out because it just it's it's not congruent. Um there might be tactics within it, you know, go buy now, go do this, direct response stuff which works anywhere, that's fine. But you have to think about uh, where your particular brand fits in their life and how it competes with other brands. And that's another big thing too, by the way, because you're working with physical products, like everything and almost everything anyways in physical products is very commoditized. Yeah. So, and because of the costs of doing stuff and, and all this stuff, like it, it becomes a lot more, I would say difficult because of the constraints you have to work with. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So e-com becomes a little bit more difficult because of the constraints that you have.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's like uh, when I was doing like the apparel stuff, like, you know, any like say an online course biz, like someone say, oh, let's, okay, just do paid traffic. Okay, let's just throw up a course up. Let's just, let's get a, a quick funnel up. Let's start testing, you know, minimum viable funnel, which is like a, what Todd Brown talks about. Right. Bro, like you're not going to do that. in if you're starting out a new e-commerce business, that's not going to happen. Not because you can't, not because you can't physically do it as a marketer, but you literally cannot, spend that much money. You don't have that much money unless you're flushed with cash already, or you had investors or anything like you have to start with one product. You're not going to do a funnel, just it's just not going to, it's just not going to happen unless you, you know, again, unless you already have money, you have investors or something like that. Like you have to figure out different ways, like the whole direct response thing of, you know, you have to be able to figure out a way to spend the most amount money, most amount of money possible to acquire the best customer. When you're starting a brand new e-commerce business, Right you are so constrained in cash that you can, literally cannot do that, which is why a lot of startups go the other way. They try to figure out what's the cheapest way I can actually get traction. So gotcha. okay, that's, there's, there's, it's those, like, again, all of marketing is kind of the same, especially direct responses. All the principles are underlying there, but when it comes to real life business, real life marketing, real life numbers, you have to change the way you're thinking because if not, like you, like, there's so much assumptions that are happening in direct response uh, and just online marketing in general that when you, when you go in there is that you just realize, you know, this, uh, this stuff is just not going to, it's, it's right, but it's not going to work out for me.
0: Right. I was actually, I'm going to like call you on this for a second. I would say direct response and digital marketing are not like, there's a huge separation there. So direct response principles would work with econ businesses. And the reason they say that is because direct response prior to the birth of the internet is basically e but it's commerce business. It's not e-comm, it's just commerce business. I mean, one of the best people ever to do it, in my opinion, was, of course, none other than Joe Sugarman.
1: Yeah, Joe Sugarman was amazing.
0: Right, so I'm saying that you can actually rip a lot of his campaigns and have them work for you in today's day of work. But why I'm also, I want to acknowledge this, it does people don't get twisted about it because what you're trying to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but what I'm getting or I'm interpreting for what you're saying is If you approach this with a, I'm going to build an entire funnel like by Sunday because blah, and I can or whatever it is. eh, You're going to fucking fail. You're going to fail straight on your face because physically you cannot create that much. You cannot like print a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory before you even can take it to market. You need to pre sell that inventory before you can actually take it to the guys and get it created. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? So essentially it's kind of like in the sense of you can't run before you can walk. Basically, yeah. All walk and then run, it has to be in that order. And it it does, it sounds like it takes some time, but the rewards are definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, 100%. And just to uh, continue with that, like I I didn't mean to say that direct response didn't work or anything, like 100% does. Uh, but like you are saying right there, like, yeah, the constraints that are just 100% real in a physical product business. is just not gonna, doesn't allow you to, to optimize the everything the way you are normally taught in internet marketing and direct exactly. response.
0: Yeah. There's going to be like a bit of not a breakdown, but there's definitely going to be a bit of a moment where it's a little bit different to what you're
1: used to. Yeah. Which was a shock to me. I didn't really think about it when I got into it. Uh, <laughs> So like, I, I mean, you, you know, like, okay, I'm going to have one product, but you didn't, like, you don't really know, know until you're there looking at your Facebook ad account and like saying, oh crap, like the ROI isn't there. How am I going to do this with no other extra products? You know? <laughs>
0: exactly. How I cause again, the, yes, it's true. The money is in the back end but at the same time with e you don't really have that much of a backend to begin with exactly it builds up over time so essentially the best person to it might one of the best people actually that has already been on the show um to kind of like figure out their stuff is of course our good friend justin uh goff right yeah because justin basically kind of like powered down on patriot uh, patriot powder i think it was or the fitness thing that he had uh he basically doubled down on it like crazy
1: yeah 100 percent. i think i I followed some of his stuff and i've I don't know how he went about the whole funnel, like, but like when you talk to a lot of supplement guys, supplements, it's funny Uh, when it comes to e-commerce supplements is like the closest thing you can get to regular, like direct response. Um, It's the most direct response friendly product, at least in my opinion. And even then, like it's when you talk to them, it's always going to be the same thing. Like, Hey, yeah, you should actually start with three to four products. They'll tell you like, they'll tell you like, Oh, you know, I got this whole, you know, my VSL thing, whatever. But in reality, they don't tell you that in the back end, they already have three to four products when they launched. And they, yeah. they, they don't tell you these stuff, things. And there's a, that's a lot of things that just online marketing in general, digital marketing and just online business in general, those are the kinds of things that people do not talk about. And uh, which is why when I, when I try to do like consulting for people, this is the stuff I actually talk about. Usually I actually lose clients because of this, because it's like, bro, you shouldn't be spending money on this. (laughs) You shouldn't be spending money on emails right now. You need to figure out this other thing first. So it's a good way of
0: actually being, we're basically keeping the gate clean to make sure the right people come in that you can work with. So what I'm going to say is that like a lot of people do kind of jump in and think they have all their back end sorted. See, I'm lucky that I do know a couple of suppliers for the white label products for people. But again, yeah. but like if you're going into ecom, how much would you say would be a good amount of money to have starting an ecom business? Like if you, because if, again, with IM stuff, if someone goes, how much money do I need to buy traffic? And everyone's like, it depends on what traffic source and what you're doing. But with ecom, there is an actual set minimum value number that you need to start with, in order to make sure that you have the right funding to keep to go and keep going. What numbers?
1: Yeah. So, again, yeah, it does depend, right, especially on what category you're going to go into. Um, like, for example, with my stunt double stuff, it was, lux- it was luxury sportswear for men. I had 15000 to go into it. I spent, you know, maybe like six, 7000 on actual inventory, but the margins are so low when you have so little inventory that doesn't work out margin-wise. And so yeah. I would say uh, you uh, – well, sportswear takes a lot more money than that. <laughs> but I would say, like for for me, for my next business I'm looking into to do, I want to have at least you know thirty to fifty thousand dollars.
0: Right. So you want to basically have like a good amount of like cash surplus going into whatever business that you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's mostly because uh, when you when you have the problem is the is the margins, right? So technically, you could start an e-commerce business right now for like a couple hundred to a couple thousand bucks like it doesn't it's not that complicated or anything the problem is that is margins right if you don't if you're starting out with you know thousand dollars in in inventory you'll have inventory but trust me your margins are going to be like 20 30 percent like paid traffic is just not going to be viable uh at all which is why a lot of e-commerce businesses do the whole pre-selling kickstarter thing yeah, And uh, they'll, they'll just get the inventory, just have a, a, a prototype out there. And then they'll try to hustle their way up to, you know, $50,000, 60000 in sales before actually uh, going, live. Going, going live. Yeah. And that's if, they're, if they happen to make it, you know, because Kickstarter is a whole different other story. So, but, Definitely. but yeah.
0: So I have a question for you from this perspective then. So if someone is starting out with e-com and they don't have a crap load of money, right? Yeah. They have a good idea. The margins are going to be so-so and they can't do paid traffic. Where would their traffic sources actually come from?
1: It has to be organic. You know, there's only three ways to, to actually launch a business, like three forms of traffic. There's paid traffic. There's earned traffic. So earned would be anything like PR or just like social in general. And then there's owned traffic. So that's email lists. That's a text message. Obviously, you don't have owned traffic unless you have like friends who happen to be on social type of thing. Um, you can't do paid traffic like you mentioned. So you, all you have left is organic PR, uh, those kinds of things where you have to leverage other people's audiences or build your own as soon as possible. Right. Yeah. So for me, for example, I didn't do that with though. I thought, you know what, let me just actually go into this and let's just make pay traffic work. I feel like, you know, I got a whole USP going. I had, you know, I know marketing, no copyright. I know these things, you know what, let's do it. But it didn't work out because mostly of the margins and, but you know, for this next, for the next business I'm going to do, I'm 100% focused on actually growing. I'm not great at, at social, for example, when it comes to content for B2C, but I, what I, can do is raise money through client work, through B2B stuff that I'm good at, raise money and then use that money to buy a media property or pay someone to help me do the SEO or something like that. Right. Right. Before actually launching an e-commerce business, focus on other ways to monetize. But the whole point is e-commerce, you know, so that's the way for me personally, it's going to, it looks like it's how it's going to work out. Um, but in the ideal situation, you know, you go on TikTok right now, you start building your your audience there, you know, or Snapchat or Instagram or something, and then you launch a product.
0: Yeah, see, I've never really understood TikTok. It's like everyone's like, now stop talking. Like, this is one of those things I love about marketers: is one person will start on TikTok, and then next thing you know, like fifty million people on TikTok are like. TikTok masterclass.
1: Yeah. No, but TikTok is awesome, dude. Like, you can literally put, like, I literally post something up and I got, like, you know, hundreds of views and I didn't even try. I was just like, hi, guys. I'm, this is my first time on TikTok. That was literally my post. And it's just like, wow, like, the organic reach is pretty crazy right now for TikTok.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, the organic reach is always going to be crazy on apps like that. But I mean, it's also like, it depends on what you're selling and if your what you're selling is actually perfect for that audience.
1: Yeah. Well, just keep in mind that those things age up. So as long as you're early, like it's better to be early than it is to be late. So Agreed. Yeah. So, but as long, like it doesn't have to be TikTok, like building, like if I were to say there's an asset that you need at the, at the uh, you know, earliest possible is an email list. Yep. Um, so if you can do that, that's the best thing. But for, for a lot of people, that's just not going to be possible. Or maybe you just don't know how to do it. So you go into social and get people onto an email list after that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the easiest ways that you guys can actually really build up your pre-mailing lists is into actually get pre-sales in is give some, like even do something as simple as a prize draw that you guys are going to give someone like a free version of your, pro, of your thing that you're selling once it comes out, right? Yeah. And to, to enter, all you do is this, like you get this competition going, people join in, all the other fun stuff and that's that's basically like the starting point i choose personally for myself if i went through this uh and just get people to essentially pre-purchase the actual program before i even like launched it and spent any money on advertising like i just get them to build a mailing list and
1: then go from there for sure and you can actually do this even before that when i went for stunt double specifically i literally only had a uh what's it called? A mock-up, like a a graphic mock-up of the shirt. No actual shirt, no inventory or anything. And I literally, all I did was go to my phone and I literally went on Instagram and DM'd my friends like, Hey, I got this $58 shirt. Do you want to buy essentially? And after a couple follow-ups after a week, I made like eight sales and I was like, you know what? This is a, a viable idea. Now, obviously I didn't have the budget for it. I didn't know that, but that's how you would test very early on your idea. And a lot of people do this like a native deodorant. Like they, they started on product hunt. Um, they got like 50 sales and they're like after like three days or something like that, um, what's it called? Liquid death. Uh, they didn't even sell anything. All they did was a Facebook video ad that happened to go viral. And they're like, okay, if the video goes viral, then they probably want the product. So all this stuff early on you could test. Yeah. What was that product? Was it like a hot sauce or something or what? What, liquid death? Yeah. No, it's canned water. Seriously? Yeah, it's literally water <laughs> in a can. Yeah, it's just... The, the, yeah, the, the only difference between it, really... I mean, I don't know about... Like, it's mountain water. I don't even know if that's even different from, like, Zephyr Hills or something. But at least the can itself, obviously, it's aluminum, so it's against the whole plastic thing. But the main, like, marketing component of liquid death is... That it's very very punk rockish. It's for, the, it's for the punk community. So if you go to liquiddeath.com, their hero video is the most craziest thing you'll ever see. It's literally an animation of like of a of like a headless guy, liquid death headless guy, whatever, chopping up other people's heads <laughs> and like blood spilling everywhere. It's the craziest thing, but it's honestly. Like this is like a, it's like a class, honestly, in, in, in marketing. Cause water, there's nothing more of a commodity than water, but it's so entertaining that you just want to buy it. Awesome. Yeah. So that's pretty cool though. I've got to
0: now check this entire thing out.
1: Yeah, man. No, what, uh, this is, and this is what I love what about saying? e-commerce. Sorry, I was
0: yeah. going to say before I say, uh, check this entire thing out, I actually meant the liquid death thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, a hundred percent. I get
0: that. That too. But yeah. So the thing with yeah, e-com man. is that so, you're saying. What? No, you were saying, so the thing with e-com.
1: Oh no, no. Just, yeah. Just the thing with e-com in general is that kind of stuff you will never see in, in like info, info marketing or nothing. Like you should, but you don't, um, about lifestyle, about, uh, the actual market, like market identification you know, like level five, uh, breakthrough advertising type of stuff. Yeah. Like you, you won't see that in information marketing, but you will see that at least from the great, from the good brands all the time in e-commerce, because again, most physical products are, uh, commoditized. And so you have to, you have to move, you have to move between unique mechanisms and USPs with the market, like the, the actual lifestyle of the market itself. Yeah. That makes sense yeah that actually does make sense
0: I love that so here's my uh so here's something that I'm actually quite curious about when it comes to like not just econ but with you with what you're doing right now sure. what was the shift like what For- was the shift to go into the ecom side because I remember like I know we've kind of touched upon it but I mean there was a shift internally like in the way that you do things and I'm curious what it was like what sparked it and it isn't just that I hated what everyone else is doing which is a given was there like a series of events that actually got you there? To
1: do e-commerce in general? Well,
0: e-com, but also kind of like serve e-com as like a business with um, slice, and dice, uh, slice and Dice Media.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of like went through a, most of it, but the truth is that, you know, I started Monk, for example, in December of 2015. But what very few people know about, I guess I don't talk about it enough, is that I actually... Before, right before I started CopyMonk, what I really wanted to do was the sportswear brand. Like, literally, I thought about it two months before actually starting CopyMonk. I just wasn't uh, ready mentally because of the, of the money into it, the, the time. Like, I was so scared of the production process that I just said, you know what, let me just go back to what I know, which is information marketing. By that time, I was already a copywriter for years doing information marketing. So, I just what I it's just what I knew. Um, so, I've been wanting to do e commerce for like the longest time. But I guess like the internal switch uh, later on was that I I was noticing when I was writing in CopyMonk, I would use a lot of e-commerce examples. I wasn't thinking about doing e-commerce, but I was just using uh, these examples saying, you know, this is, I would, it's kind of one of those like uh, Freudian slips, like, you know, over time, little by little, you start noticing that you are actually saying, you know, e-commerce is better than information marketing and stuff like that. And, you know, just over time, it was just like, uh, noticing that I was, I was not doing what I wanted to be doing. Right. When I was talking about marketing, I wasn't talking about Evan Pagan anymore. I was talking about, you know, uh, the Marlboro man or what David Ogilvy was doing with the Hathaway man or, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was, it was just little by little over time, uh, of just me noticing I was writing more about that. And I actually cared more about that. And then, you know, Eventually, I guess like the turning point was when I actually had a call with Ryan Lee. Uh, Ryan Lee is a uh, oh, internet yeah. marketer. Yeah. He's also owned e-commerce businesses in, uh, of his own. He actually has one right now called Rewind. And he just told me on a call, like, dude, like, if you like e-commerce, just do it, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so do it. And I, that's, that's pretty much the, the turning point.
0: That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that because that's some of the things that, like Ryan's a really good dude anyway. Um, but it's interesting that you're actually starting to use more of those examples because that's something I'm starting to do. My own content creation is actually reference those er- eras of time and how they can be applied to today's marketing world. Because the, today's marketers like only concerned about what's happening today and but not what happened in the past, which I find is a very dumb thing to do. If you don't yeah. look at how what like where you come from, you're not really going to be able to um, plan your next chart of course, so to say.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah, that's all. It's that's where you know direct response came from. It's not what the grooves are saying today. It's what David Ogilvy and Joe Sugarbin and all these okay. other people yeah. did, yeah. right? And, years ago.
0: I mean, we're adding to, we're adding to that legacy today. Like for yeah, sure. like that. That's my whole thing. Is like my whole thing is I want to add to the legacy of my predecessors. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I get so pissed off when people teach copywriting. And I'm like, you're not a copywriter, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to teach copy. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to basically shove a sandpaper vibrator over your butthole because it's <laughs> pennier to me. Yeah. It's true. I'm sorry for the image to everyone here, but it's true because it fucks me off how much people are like, copywriting is so easy. It isn't. All right? Copywriting is one of the most difficult things you can embark on. It takes a lot of time to get through. Granted, I teach how to write copy in five hours. I get you to a base level and then all you need to do is you need to build. So we lay the foundation on the base and then you build everything on top of that. But that takes time and practice.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, the same thing for like most other skills for like a business owner. They really only need to know the base level before hiring out. But if you want to become good at it, like it's not going to come quick.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It, it just takes time. It's, what, it's the same thing. It's like, unless you've had experience doing it, I don't think you should be teaching it personally. Like, you shouldn't be going out there and like, I'm going to show you how to do it. It's like, I've seen some dudes that were on e for like a week release an info course on how to basically get started in an e-com business. Yeah. The way, they were out of business like a week after they started their business.
1: Yeah. Which is funny. I mean, I'll just want to go into that because I've, I've really thought about why people do that and not just like, and not just like, you know, people who just start an e-commerce business one day and then start selling courses the next day, uh, but just in general, like even the ones who are doing well with e-commerce, like to like the average person will say, well, if you're so good at it, why don't you just keep doing it? You're going to make more money with e-commerce than you would with, uh, you know, information products. And, you know, there's obviously smart business decisions to do it, like, you know, diversification and all that kind of good stuff. But when it comes to, and this is another thing uh, we could have talked about earlier, but you know the margins that comes to, that, that comes into play here because when people go into physical products, they realize okay, you know you might be selling five hundred thousand dollars worth of whatever, but you're only earning twenty percent of that, right? And so you know one thing I was actually gonna do with Stunt Double if it did well in the front end, anyways, was to start adding information stuff on the back end. No like workout plans or eBooks or none of that stuff. But more like events, uh, sponsorships. You know, those kind of other forms of revenue, but you know, to allow that's that's like the back end part, right? Um, but and that's where I notice a lot of these like e commerce people, like the Amazon, you know, make money on Amazon type of people and drop shipping. Yep. That's where they go into that's why they do the, the courses because yeah, they might be doing okay with their e commerce business, but they don't they, they're not doing enough on the back end of their business that they, instead of what they're doing is that they're starting an entire new side business to make money, to make that back end money essentially. Fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes complete sense.
0: Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, so one of the other things I really wanted to talk
1: to you about particularly
0: was actually outside the idea of marketing. Sure. And it was the idea of, um, thought generation.
1: For e-commerce ideas. Yeah,
0: like how do you come up with what is actually good? And not just that, but like not just e-commerce ideas, but like for marketing ideas and for uh, ad writing ideas. Like how do you come up with what you're writing for your audience? Like even the content that you create.
1: Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple different things I'm doing uh, that you touched on there. There's the, product, the, the actual products, there's the actual content I'm doing for slice and dice and stuff. So when it comes to products, I guess that's the more interesting part, right? And that's, uh, it's basically like going back to whatever that you like. Um, so like, uh, so whatever excites you essentially. So I just literally posted up a thing today of like four markets I'm really interested in. And that's uh, luxury cologne. I really love anything that's luxury and cologne in particular, if you look at luxury commercials, it's always the front end product, and it's always the one where they spend the most clean dollars. Um, especially because colognes and, and perfumes and stuff, the margins are freaking insane. And, and you know, you pay eight bucks to make the actual product, but you can sell it for four hundred bucks. So that's the margins are crazy. I love luxury. Second market was uh, either CBD chocolate or just luxury chocolate in general. Why? Because I love. I love chocolate and it's the most popular thing that is one of the most popular foods.
0: Yeah. Like who, like anyone that doesn't like chocolate, you just get, you get that death step from me, man. You gonna get that death step. Like what's wrong with you? I'm vegan. Even vegans like chocolate, man. Why do you think they have vegan chocolate?
1: Yeah. I'm vegetarian. So I would make a a vegan friendly chocolate. (laughs) That's what I would do. And, uh, yeah, so that's one of my, again, luxury, luxurious chocolate, anything that's again, luxury, high priced and all that stuff. Love that stuff. Uh, sleep beverages. Why? Because sleep is important. I'm I'm into health a lot. People are, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff need to sleep, all that good stuff. And then health related. Yeah.
0: Like that health dude for so fucking long, it's ridiculous. I mean, as a market, just as one day I want you to do this, I legit want you to drop everything that you're doing and just like open up. Let me help fix your fitness business kind of thing. Like, I just want you to be that guy one day.
1: Well, it's funny cause that's actually how not, I didn't start to like the, in the business part, but I was, before I got into copy and everything, I was, my dream actually was to become a, a you know, a world famous strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Um, that oh. was my whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Know, so we had
0: this discussion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was my dream at the time. Um, but yeah, obviously that didn't, I didn't, I moved away from that, uh, But yeah, that was my whole thing for a long time. I was really into like my specialty was conditioning for combat athletes, which was one thing we we bonded about last time. Um
0: we saw like I am so out of shape it's ridiculous at the time of recording this. uh,
1: Uh, Me too.
0: (laughs) Out of shape, like for me to give you guys an idea, I'm six foot tall, um, and I am genuinely walking around a hundred and I gotta figure this shit out real quick. Hold on. So I am exactly 182.9 pounds.
1: 182?
0: Yeah, I'm 182. This is like one of the heaviest moments of my life. Yeah. And how tall are you? Uh, I'm six foot tall. Nice. So I'm I'm tall, but like I don't look 182 pounds, but I'm 182 pounds. Yeah. It's sucky. I don't like it.
1: No, yeah. You just feel a lot better when you're actually taking care of your health and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So, but yeah, man, when it comes to uh, like the content side of things, the ideas for Slice and Dice, um, honestly, it's just coming back down to what I'm doing for the client and just and just like nitpicking the smallest possible thing It can talk about uh, that particular day and just talking about that. If it's something like long form content, like then I I think about it more strategically, Um, you know, like tofu, mofu, bofu, top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel. And you just make content, you know, you can literally just Google, Hey, what are middle funnel blog post ideas? And then you just do one of the things, which is like, you know, process, you know, why should someone hire you? How much does it cost to hire someone like you? Stuff like that. So it's not, that one's actually a lot simpler. Um, it's just more strategy than it actually is ideation. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's
0: way more sense. But that's something that I'm really looking into as well as like how to diversify my stuff or to, to follow the words of the Wu-Tang Clan, diversify my bonds. <laughs> for, for my Dave Chappelle fans out there. Yeah.
1: So if I were to give you like, like two cents on that stuff, my two cents, yeah. is actually to worry less about ideation. And, and, the, and the actual type of content you're doing and to worry 100% on distribution. How is that actually going to be seen and then, then produce whatever type of content is required for that distribution. So for example, for Slice Dice, um, what I'm actually con- really considering, I'm actually going probably going to do it starting next week or something. I'm going to start an email newsletter, but a cur- one of those like, not like a, you know the guruish email newsletters. I'm talking about one of those like curated newsletters as a media company. So, I don't know if you ever heard of Substack. Yep. Uh, yeah. Substack they they're pretty much doing a whole renaissance on on email newsletter media-based properties and that's what I would be doing. Like I suck at SEO. I suck at almost a lot of distribution stuff which is, you know, screwed me over so many times in the past, but I'm great at email and I'm decent enough I think anyways on with paid ads. And so What's the, obviously, what's the low hanging fruit? Start an email newsletter, but not, again, a media company that just happens to be through email and that would be my distribution, right? So that, and that's just, you know, email. Like if you're good at SEO, then do blog posts. You know, if you're good at video, then figure out YouTube SEO, that kind of stuff. So that would be my two cents. Focus on the actual distribution first and then that's where you can worry about ideation,
0: yeah, cuz once you know how you're going to distribute, it's very easy to build up the rest.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, cuz that's something I have sucked at so badly, It's like how the fuck do I get my shit out?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think most people have that problem. I definitely do.
0: Yeah. I think like I think it's just a universal thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. No one really no one really thinks about it until they're they're in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, it's the old saying by Tyson. It's like, no, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. The same thing here. Everyone thinks they have a product until they don't know what distribution channel to use.
1: Exactly.
0: It's always crazy.
1: Yeah, man. That's pretty awesome. So
0: like one of my favorite questions to always ask on this show is what, is, or what are some of the favorite books that you've actually read in the last like 12 months that have had the biggest impact on you and why? And we like top it out of the top five that you would <laughs> recommend.
1: Yeah, man. So if there was one, like, yeah, as you could say, the different types of books for different situations, um, I would say overall, like in terms of a business book, I only, I only read business books, honestly. So for me, yeah, for me, it would be how to get rich by Felix Dennis. Great book. Yeah. It's just, that's one book I have to read Like it's, it's, it's not like purely motivating, but when you're like in a, you're like in a deep rut and there's like, there's one particular line I really like from how to get rich. It's like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you can sell anything. And that sentence right there, that alone gets me so motivated. It gets me out of the deepest, deepest ruts. So I love how to get rich by Felix Dennis. He has the business model that that I want too, So that helps a lot. Um, so yeah, how to get rich. Um, Shortcut Your Startup was huge for me, um, which is about, it's basically like a ready fire aim. If anyone was into like, I think your audience would know ready fire aim by Michael Masterson. Yep. Um, it's similar to ready fire aim, but for e-commerce and just physical products. So yeah, that whole, you know, the context thing changed a lot. So it, it helps a lot. Um, and then I would say the luxury strategy. Yeah. Yeah, luxury strategy, again, luxury is so completely different than what you would normally see in direct response. Um, so just understanding why people buy premium, super premium type stuff. And yeah, and I guess the, the only other book I can recommend right now, it's hard to pick because I, I love anything by Al Rise and Jack Trout. So yeah. the positioning guys. So I'll, if I were to pick one, I would say The Origin of Brands
0: Ooh. right now. I've not actually gone through that. That is a book that I've not yet read. I'll have yeah. to check it
1: out. I mean, if you want to learn positioning, I would suggest you just buy all of them because <laughs> yeah, exactly. they all go, yeah, they all, go all, hand in hand. Yeah. They all pretty much talk about the same thing, but there's a couple different nuggets in each one. Yeah. Right. So I just, the, the reason why I like Origin in, in brand, of Brands is because of the way they talk about niching down right? So one of my favorite examples there in the book is like, you know, what is a category, which is different from a niche, right? What is a category? Well, if you go, if you walk into a department store and you, you know, you walk in and you look to your left and there's, there's men's, you know, uh, dress clothing on one end. And then the other end, there's sportswear. And then the other end, there's makeup. All of those things are categories and your job is to be the first brand in a particular department category. So, and that's one of the things I, I love so much about Origin of Brands. It's, it's a very good book. It, it, it really dissects what what is category building, what is category marketing in general better than all their other books, I think.
0: that's pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Just simply because it's such a badass uh, thing. But yeah, dude, real quick, as we're like wrapping up the show, one thing I did want to ask you, um, if people actually were to check out your podcast, because I've been a guest on there already, like where should they go check out your podcast? Because we haven't even really discussed that that much.
1: Yeah. Um, to actually find the podcast, you could, you could literally just go to slicedicemedia.com and I have a little tab there, podcast tab, and that's where you can find it. Yeah.
0: So why did you actually get into podcasting?
1: Um, honestly, it was just trying to find a way to get clients. Um, not so much the actual you know, building an audience on podcasting, even though obviously that would be the goal. I would love that. Um, But it was to, it was find a way to directly connect with people, connect with potential clients uh, through podcasting as well as other marketers to do like affiliate deals and stuff. So it was more of a networking thing rather than an actual, you know, let's build an audience, even though that'd be great. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah. It's one of the things I genuinely love about doing podcasts is the people that you meet
1: yeah man it completely changed like i've always realized you know when you go into when it's a new person going to the podcast at the very beginning of the like the pre-show it's kind of like oh it's kind of like a little awkward it's like hey you know we're gonna do this we're gonna do that type of thing but then by the end of the show you're like you're basically like buddies
0: oh yeah for sure it can go from very awkward to very fun very quickly and that's one thing I, I think interviewing is a lost art in my opinion like too many people try it but not a lot of people actually spend time to figure it out
1: yeah yeah it's it's hard especially for me like i can't do anything without set up questions and every and anything but like i like the way you do it um it's very a lot more natural and a lot more you get into like more interesting topics so for me it's a little bit more rigid but it's even with that like it's as long as you listen and and you ask decent questions it's it's fun
0: agreed very much so. It's one of the best things I love about doing what I do. Just people are so much more fun to talk to and have more fun with. But yeah, guys, go check out com. Um, and as always, Danavir, thank you for actually being here. I appreciate you actually taking the time today.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And like, seriously, you dropped some insane knowledge bombs on the show. So, guys, go check out Slice Dice Media. Hire Danavir if he's the right person for your business. Uh, if you have any other questions to do with e I strongly recommend you message him directly through slicedicemedia.com. Um, and as always, I'll see you on next week's episode. So look out for that. Thanks, dude.
1: Awesome, dude. That was great. I loved it.
0: Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye.